0: Watching the movie being discussed in this episode prior to engaging with the episode itself would be a worthy assist to you. Okay, so. Don't forget about the spoilers. Mike Berbiglia shares a portion of his life, just a small little portion of his life, in this storytelling that I've never seen before, and what have we learned? I like that. It's what I ask of any movie that I watch, is just show me something new. One of the most innovative comedies I've ever seen. This is essentially Mike Birbiglia's eight-mile story. Eminem, you know? Uh, it's also like a comedic version of A Beautiful Mind. <laughs> uh, with sleepwalking not only involved in the title, but also the whole story. Uh, he develops it in his thirties, which is weird. This is autobiographical. And he starts off in a toll booth, and we're just watching him, we're just thinking we're watching this guy inside the narrative, and then he breaks the fourth wall and starts talking to us like this, setting the tone for the whole movie immediately. I love that. So he's narrating the story, but he's also worked in a way to tell his stand-up comedy material in a movie rather than on stage, and comedians have done that before. You got Ray Romano, Jerry Seinfeld, Kevin James, Bill But they translated their material into an episode of their TV show, like, by inserting it into the narrative. Berbiglia just tells it right to you, and then shows you. Or he sets it up and shows you. He'll show you and then confirm it by cutting back to him and he's telling you and breaking the fourth wall. He keeps the fourth wall open. Did I miss a part shaving? I don't know. The family dynamic is really believable here. The mom is a believable mom, and Mike's... Um, we're on a first name basis. His mom and what they chose to focus on with this character, with her character is so uh, believable to me. Again, I just... I'm gonna keep going back to that word about it being a believable character that I'm watching where, to me, it's not a character that's a real person, but it's not. The dad shouting his responses from the other room is really funny to me. My dad doesn't really do that, but it's, it's a really funny bit of the movie to me. In the movie. Even the couple dynamic between Burbigley and the actress playing his wife, not his wife. Girlfriend, fiance, not, not his wife. I believe it, though. Which is the most that I ask from actors playing two people who've been together for eight years. It's supposed to feel legitimate and they pull it off the way they have trouble touching on certain subjects, or when they have the courage, they get interrupted and, and can't, like, complete the discussion. That then leads to miscommunications that are hard to watch, because stuff like that is real and it really happens. Often. And usually, the more random the story, the more grounded it feels. If somebody tells you the name of somebody they just met, and you go, oh my gosh, that's the person that I just bought this thing from. That's random. So you're like, oh, I totally believe that you met this person." small world type scenario. So when Mike Birbiglia says, or does in the movie, and says, because he's the narrator, that he asks a woman out by by politely asking, would you like to go to church sometime? She's like, what? And he's like, yeah, I haven't really been since I was 10, but there's a chapel over there if you want to go sometime. I think, uh, yeah, something like that probably happened. Berbiglia's struggles are grounded in this movie. The critique that he gets from his dad, the pressure to get married, but also the fact that everyone thinks that the best part of his life is his girlfriend. I think that's a profound statement right there, and I imagine that was something he he felt, uh, he felt profoundly and that he also needed to share through this character in, in dialogue. Who He changed the name of the character, uh, Matt something. I don't think they ever say his last name correctly. The character's last name in the movie, it's always like, Panda Piglia or something like that. Addressing the fact that nobody can really say his name, uh, Berbiglia. I think I'm saying it correctly. So something that they developed here is Mike Berbiglia sleepwalking. He has one initial incident that happens and his family was like, what was that? and then it doesn't happen again, then it does happen, and he gets so involved in his dream that in real life he falls and hurts himself. The sleepwalking is worsening, but his stand-up comedy career is improving bit by bit. He gets his first real road gig after acquiring a manager that vouches for him. She's like, you're not very funny. Hey dude, you gotta check out this guy, he's hilarious. It's at some university, this first gig that he gets, but it's like hosting some talent show at a at a college at some university. This leads to another gig though that pays 50 bucks. He's like I got to do it. He's opening he's opening up for Mark Marin. That's the gig. A real comedian. This probably this may have actually happened. He has this revelation during this conversation with Mark after bombing on stage. He says something vulnerable and cynical about his home life and Mark laughs and goes, "Dude, you should say that on stage." Mike's like ah. That wouldn't go over well at home. And Mark goes, we're not at home. And something clicks with Mike. (laughs) Then there's a shift. Audiences suddenly are responding to his material. They relate to it. It connects with them, so it works. How many other ways can I say it? They laugh. My iCloud is full, apparently. So he starts riffing further on that concept and he gets a bigger response. He's learning, things are progressing. But his wife calls later, asking how, how was the set, and he realizes I can't tell you anything that I said on that stage. Like it went well, but I can't tell you about it, cause it was kind of all pooping on you. Then these negative jokes about his life back at home, they continue getting reactions from the audiences while he's on tour with his material, it's like a drug. He doesn't feel like he's supposed to be doing this, but it's working and improving his confidence. His cadence on stage was somber and shy, closed off, but it quickly turned into like a showman, owning the performance with the audience on his side completely. On one of his trips, one of the waitresses comes on to him, she kisses him, but he refuses and removes himself from the situation, only to have a couple more drinks and re-enter the situation, as he so puts it. This is probably evident of what's happened in his heart. In continuing to speak poorly about his girlfriend and his parents, in my opinion, that can really only harm harm somebody's heart towards their peers and and blacken it. This leads to a drunken fight with his girlfriend, and it's a really funny segment, actually. But they decide that night to get married next summer, so now they're engaged. It's like a band-aid on a wide-open wound that hoping it'll stop the bleeding. I love the scene right after where Birbigli is talking to the camera and he's like, I know, I'm in the future too. So he keeps touring. His material is expanding and evolving, as I've mentioned, nine colleges in seven days. In huge cities. Meanwhile, his fiance his fiance is back at home planning the wedding with dresses, locations, and... yeah. And he even states, I know that this wedding is not going to happen, but I don't have the heart to say it. He knows he should not be getting married. It just doesn't fit in with where his career is leading to right now. His sleepwalking progresses to the point where he's hallucinating while he's awake. He's causing legitimate ...disturbances because he's acting out his dreams when he is sleeping. It's more than sleepwalking. He is diagnosed with something that's more than sleepwalking. Or maybe it's his hallucination that tells him, but still. It's through the means of an audiobook. So... For the listeners, I stuck both thumbs up. Roger Ebert, what a prove Where was I? Where was I? Uh His fiance sends him... A picture of her in the wedding dress, and he just, like, stares at it in a panic. This leads to him stressing so much in his sleep that he jumps out a second story window after this happens, and he really hurts himself because of the, you know, sleepwalking. He has... He has... That was weird. The difficult conversation with his fiance about not getting married. He follows this up with a scene of him talking to us, saying that he went back and visited his ex-girlfriend, now his ex-girlfriend. Ex fiance, maybe. He asked her why she never left him after eight years of being with him, knowing it would be doomed. And her response was I didn't want to hurt you. And Mike as the narrator, he sits there and he's like parallel parking as he's doing this, so you're in the car with him. I'll be fucked. Like, and he just he just kind of sits in how incredible that is that two people almost spent the rest of their life together because they didn't want the other one to be mad a little bit of a rabbit trail there i've heard that the fear of offending someone is worse than the fear of dying so when you're you find yourself when a victim finds himself in a serial killer's home for example you can even lessen it to make it like a serial <sighs> R word, you know, lingo, language that I'm not going to use right now in this episode. Let's just say that somebody is offering you, this is Aquaphor, but somebody's offering you a drink, and you suspect that there there might be something in the drink that's going to put you out, that's going to put you in harm's way of what they could do with you. Out of fear of not offending them, there are people who will take the drink and drink it. Because the fear of... Dying is less than the fear of not of offending this person, and and that concept goes along with with um, maybe not the theme of the movie, but what he was emphasizing at the end of the movie with this real relationship that he had for eight years with this woman, and the period that he's showing is just the downfall of his of his relationship to this woman and the uptick. Of his career. His career into the stratosphere of being one of the most innovative stand-up comedians and filmmakers that we've ever seen, I've ever seen, may I personally. Scratch the itch. Oh, he found a way to handle his sleepwalking condition, just to put a... put a... What's the, what the... What, what am I trying to say here? You know, each story, each thing shown in a movie needs to have its end, its conclusion, just to have the conclusion with the sleepwalking. he It's like a sleeping bag that they can close, so he he doesn't get out of bed, he he just has to sit, sit there and, like, kick around in this thing. It is a really sweet and simple ending to this period of his life that he is showing us. Mike Brabiglia has been renovating the stand-up world ever since he showed up. His projects, like this one, are just as thought out and as grounded as this first one. Differing in their own right too, as he evolves as a as a as an artist, a creator. And if you're watching this, hopefully that means that you've seen the movie itself, and hopefully that means that you're aware of Mike Berbiglia and we can all talk about him straight behind his back. Brah. No, I'm just joking. It's it would be all praise. It would be literally all praise it, behind his back or not. I have no critiques about this man and his comedy. Maybe it's politics, but uh, the comedy <laughs> relating to him on such a human level that he has this story about being hit by a drunk driver. There was a lot of corrupt activity that occurred on the on the behalf of the cops handling the situation. They handled it so poorly. Whether it was intentional, or just a total lack of paying attention to the- to the paperwork. They lied! And the whole story is so heartbreaking, and somehow, Mike Birbiglia finds the humor in it, and he's been able to tell this whole story on stage. Please go find that if you haven't heard it. That is one of the first stories that I heard of him, through him, from him, by him? And it was where I really connected with him as just a human being. Already thinking and knowing that he was funny, but this was something more. And I will always take inspiration from this guy. I- I connect with his- with his humor so well. So, anyways, I had to share about this movie. Thank you so much for watching and being here. Uh, I gotta unclench my butt muscles. I tend to tense up when I'm doing a podcast. I do- I do these standing, by the way. Uh, I stand. Okay, the knee. This microphone stopped working, by the way. I just stopped working. Stopped recording like halfway through. It doesn't matter. You don't care. All right. Bye, guys. See you next week.